You're riding on the Denial Bus with Patty Crouch and Holly Gates. Right, guys, I am so excited about our interview today. We are interviewing my little sister, my only sibling, Cassie. Uh, hi, Cassie. Welcome. Welcome, Cassie. Hello. I gotta get this <laughs> off my chest. Thank you for ch- having me. <laughs> I gotta get this off my chest before we start. Just you know, clear the air. I'm very jealous of your family relationship. Like you and <laughs> Holly like talk and your mom, like it's just you're very blessed to have Holly in your life and to have a strong relationship with your sister. Like, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I hate you too, Holly. Just joking. <laughs> I don't really hate Holly. But it's like, you want that with your sister to be able to have your sister be your best friend because they know you so well and know your family dynamics and whatnot. And it doesn't happen often. Like, it doesn't happen as often as you think. And so. Right. We I'm are a little pretty jealous. Lucky. You are. And she is too. <laughs> Y'all all are. So, anyway, yeah. now that that's out of the way, I can... <laughs> be free to really get into this story. Well, now I don't know if Cassie would say she was lucky when we were growing up. How many That's years? Are, true. How many years are in between you? Four. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Why would she? Like until Holly went off to college, we were not really friends. <laughs> All right. No, I was not very cool. Really? Yeah. I, I feel like Holly would be the uncool one. No, what? Offense, Holly. excuse me. <laughs> oh, man. No, Holly was super cool, what? and I was like super shy. <laughs> The truth comes out. I was just kind of making Cassie feel better, and I totally messed it up. Because you, you are right, probably that's fine. yeah, sure. Like you are I like, wasn't cool. Okay, she was. You're kind of seem like you would be like the homecoming queen. Everyone loves you. Everyone likes you. Kind of person. Holly. Yep. What am I supposed was. to say to that? Am I supposed to go? Yes, that was exactly me. <laughs> well, why? Take a bow. Take a bow. Cassie, was she popular? She was. She was so cool. I wanted to be like her. See, I wanted yeah. to be like my sister, too. Didn't you, she went to prom like six times. She went to prom in eighth grade. What? Okay. I know. What was Weezan thinking letting an eighth grader <laughs> go to prom? That is not true. I went in ninth grade and 10th and 11th and 12th. And you went to two and 12th and two and 11th. Oh, she's definitely keeping track. She really wanted to be you. Well, because, yeah, I really wanted to go for years. I just said it didn't happen. I did not go to. I think you're thinking of homecoming. Oh, homecoming. I'm sorry. We forgot the whole other dance she probably went to like nine times. (laughs) All right. This went way off topic. We are talking to my wonderful, cool, popular sister, Cassie. Uh, um no seriously um so cassie you have i have two um adorable i was about to well well i have a niece and a nephew i know it's weird you can't say nieces yeah you can't say i have two adorable in spanish you can you can she has two sobrinos well in spanish there's no word for there's no yeah you have to say niece and nephew i am in the same boat okay i have a beautiful (laughs) niece and nephew um but so Asher was the first grandchild born on our, for our entire family, right? For my parents. Mm-hmm. Talk about spoiled. So I know. That's so Cassie, yeah. Cassie beat me to the punch. She had the first grandchild. Um, so Cassie, tell us what uh, happened during that pregnancy. Well, um, everything was going seemingly fine till our, I think our 20 week ultrasound, we went in and we thought the ultrasound 
tech was a jerk because we were like, what's that? What's that? And she was just like giving us the stink eye. Um, but apparently she was saying a ton of horrible things that we just didn't know. <laughs> and he had um, lots of birth defects. And they're like, we don't know what his prognosis is going to be, if he's going to survive. And if he does, what his quality of life will be. He might not be able to walk. So there was um, no inclination of that prior. Like, it was just the heartbeat's great. And that was like, you right. don't. Because I feel like 20 right. weeks is kind of far in. Well, that's I feel like the right. first ultrasound. That was the first ultrasound. Yeah. Because that's where you really? can find out the sex. Yeah. Because unless your doctor just has an ultrasound machine in his office, most of them don't. And you just kind of get a couple of ultrasounds. Okay, so being a high-risk pregnancy from the get-go is like, it was ultrasound city over here. So I just assumed that when right. you got pregnant, they immediately gave you an ultrasound, but they don't give you an ultrasound till 20 weeks? Well, maybe that was just eight, eight years ago or nine years ago, I they, guess. They I don't know. To the yeah. and stuff. I think when like you're healthy, yeah. Gel and they listen, but they don't actually look at stuff. I didn't Because, know I mean, that. it's just a little pee for a while, mm-hmm. so there's really nothing to see. Yeah. Okay. It just seemed like you're out of the woods of like losing the pregnancy. It seems like because the first trimester is really where everyone's scared of miscarriages. Mm-hmm. So then, That's in my true. head, I would have been like, "Everything's great." Like, exactly. I also we were just going to find out the sex, and we we're going to be excited. Like, there were no fears. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, sorry. That took me by surprise. You know, never having <laughs> to go through all of that, and then what I did go through is totally like irregular. Because I don't do anything normal. <laughs> put that out there. Okay, sorry. I got I. Okay, so he the the tech was being what you thought was a jerk because she he was seeing things, but didn't want to allude to anything because technically I don't think they're allowed to because they're not the doctor. Right. Yeah. Right. Legally, she's like has to be quiet. <laughs> so she just went and got the doctor, and he came in and kind of explained. He's like, "We're not sure what's going on or what's wrong with your baby, but we can't find like." certain vital organs like <laughs> they were like do we think you know he's got a club foot we know that and he has some spinal like I don't know if you could see the spinal defects yet but they, they knew there was a lot wrong and so it took a few more ultrasounds like a few weeks later to figure out and finally diagnose what it was um and basically it's just a series of, of abdominal birth defects so his abdominal wall wasn't there and so his pelvis was open like a book and his you know abdominal organs were on the outside of his body and so, um, yeah, they just didn't know what life would be like. And wow. <laughs> uh, we were just really shocked um, and definitely terrified, of course. So I remember this moment, Cassie, because um, <laughs> I remember I was at work and we had been, I think, IMing all day because that's what you used to do back then. It was really um, way back then. <laughs> way back then. And I could not wait for you to find out the sex. Like I was so excited. I was on pins and needles for some reason. I just wanted to buy some cute outfits and be a cool aunt. And you were going to go in and then you were going to call. There was like a certain time you were going to call mom and dad and you were going to call me. And it was like hours later. And I started flipping out and I'm going, why is she not calling me? Why is she not calling me? And I have to explain to the listeners, at this point, nothing bad had ever happened to anyone in our family, right? Nobody had died. Nobody had gotten cancer. There were no big medical issues. Like, that happened to other people. Nothing had ever happened to us. We had, like, the perfect childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I'd never had any kind of trauma. Even, like, normal traumas of divorce and death and job loss. Like, nothing. You're, like, picture-perfect family. Yeah. But... 
<laughs> you hesitated. Uh, like, don't well, want I mean, to. <laughs> that's for another podcast. <laughs> but no, no, like that medically, definitely nothing. You know, we were very all very. You're trauma free. We're used to things always working out. So when she's not calling me, I'm kind of angry at her thinking she's scaring me. And, but I wasn't actually scared because nothing actually bad happened. But I'm like, she, does she know that it could be scaring me that she's not calling me right back? Oh, wow. So when she did call hours later, I don't even give her a chance to start talking. I start laying into her. I'm like, you scared me to death. I thought that you went in and you found a bunch of things wrong. And that's why you were calling because you were in with the doctor and blah, blah, blah. And that's what you made me think. And she's like, that's exactly what happened. And I was like, oh. not so cool sister. Now are yeah. you Holly? So I, I will never forget that moment because of, because you were a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. hated her ever since. I've been traumatized from that moment. Okay. Did you ever apologize? <laughs> I don't remember her? that at all. I don't remember that okay, conversation. Good. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, sorry, Holly. <laughs> I, yeah. So what's no. going through your head? Like, you have two weeks to realize, okay, we have no clue what's going on. Like, at all. Well, it's yeah, it's funny how, like, men and women deal with things differently because – my husband, Dave, was, you know, like a normal person, like emotional, you know, crying, like sad and devastated, scared. And I was like, oh, it's fine. It's going to be fine. Like, there's no problem. Ah, <laughs> like, so I think I was in I was denial. Doing, see? Denial, <laughs> but. It's a family thing. Denial. Yeah. Yes. I'm thinking it's going to be fine. The Lord's going to heal him. Like, he, he, he just takes care of everything for everybody if you love him. Like, I think, I, <laughs> like, I could have had a wrong healthy view of the lord as, like, as i don't know i thought he's just gonna take care of everything well that's all um, you knew always has always yeah. will yeah, yeah like oh no problem um and but that's what he does all the time <laughs> and so um i wasn't all that scared and i think immediately i didn't fall down into motion because i kind of cut my heart off I didn't realize this until later. Like, now I can look back and realize what I was doing. Because um, I thought I was being the strong one, you know? <laughs> like, And for years afterwards, I'm like, oh, I was the strong one that whole time because I was not ever emotional. But I realized I was kind of a psycho because I didn't cry. I didn't, um, I wasn't sad. Like, my son's had now, like, about over a dozen surgeries and really big, intense ones and major ones. And um, a lot has happened, you know, with him. And I didn't cry for, like, the first five years. About so for the first um, five years. Okay, wait. You're jumping ahead. Yeah, sorry. I went it's, way far ahead. You went way far ahead. But I, I, <laughs> this is very interesting to me because it, people yeah. act differently. Like, I am definitely an ugly mm-hmm. crier. But I, once I ugly cry, it's like, okay, we got to tackle this and figure out what we're doing next. Yeah. But it sounds like you... You, you almost couldn't even go there because if you went there, it may have been too much. Yeah, yeah just I just disconnected from yeah. my heart and was like, we're good. I got this. There's okay, so, no, I'm not, I'm not sad. So what was his official <laughs> diagnosis? His abdominal, majority of his organs are on the outside of his body. Yeah. And then had some other issues as well, like spinal defects and club foot and um, yeah, other diagnoses, like he had reflux and. Yeah, he's like tube fed. He's got lots of other tubes and bags and things that we just, right now we keep private because he's nine 
and otherwise healthy, you know, mentally. And so he wants to be cool. And <laughs> someday he's yeah. going to have a Facebook. And he started asking me, like, Mom, who are you told? Like, who knows about me and everything? And I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> some of my adult friends. But <laughs> now, like, we had, you know, right away, of course, we put everything on a blog so that we could update everyone and had it all on Facebook. And since then, I've had to kind of go through the blog and I took a lot of, like, keywords out and a lot of his story off the blog because it's very personal. And so um, I'm trying to be better about that. Like, okay, this is his story. You know, at first I was like, this is my story. And and it does feel good to get sympathy and for people yeah, to yeah. feel bad for you know like it 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 helps it sort of eases the pain when you feel like so many people know and understand. Um, but we need to be more private now. And he's old enough for like I want him to choose when he wants to tell and who he wants to tell everything about himself. So it's a hard yeah. line because it is his story, but it it's is. also part of your story because he's part of your right. story, and it's like and yeah. you need to be able to heal from it and talk about it. And it's, it's, I, I'm in the same boat with the girls. Sometimes sure. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to say. I don't know what not to say at the same time. Like, but at the same time I need to help. <laughs> so right, we're right. going to say stuff. Um, okay. So talk us through. So what, what, what transpired? Like, so you now realize this is happening. Like what's the prognosis? Like what did they say? They basically said they had no idea. So it's so oh, that's rare. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I know. To know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm I'm a very like submissive person to authority and, and I wanna just do whatever the doctors tell me. And they were coming to me like, We don't know. What would you like to do? <laughs> and a lot of the situations for his surgeries and everything that I was so overwhelmed. Um, you know, like they they talk about, Oh, you're you're your advocate for your child and you have to do all this but I was a very shy person. Um and so it was very hard for me to be his advocate in any situation. So when, you know, they would say, okay, if surgery is coming up, we could do this, this, or this. We don't know what would be best. <laughs> or, you know, I, I would have to go on Facebook and find, I found a Facebook group of other families from around the world whose kids have the same thing Asher does. And, you know, it's like people didn't survive almost like 20 years ago if they were born with this. <laughs> and so um, it's so few people have it. So having to just talk to them and find out, okay, well, this person says this, and then go to my surgeon, who is, you know, incredible and smart and, in my eyes, this perfect genius, you know, and say, okay, well, I think that we should do this was so hard for me. You had to, more of a say than most people do. Like, yeah. I did, and I didn't want to say. I just wanted to follow what they wanted yeah, me like, to I do. I didn't go to med school, people. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. But I they were know. awesome and gracious. Yeah. When Jack's had his open heart surgery, it wasn't like they gave me an option. <laughs> Should yeah. cut this yeah. valve or this valve, Patty? And you're yeah, standing like they over did, going, hmm, give me the hmm. forceps. Yeah, mm -hmm. I did exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was right. like, oh, we're doing this. Like, they didn't even really, right. like give us any options. So that's crazy how right. you had more options. So, okay. Right. So when Jackson came out of his mm -hmm. heart surgery, I coming off of the anesthesiologist, anesthesia, anesthesia, that's the word, that's yeah. the noun, that's the noun <laughs> I'm looking for. The anesthesia was a nightmare. Like it was honestly probably the worst like 10 hours of my life. Like it was horrendous. Like it was so bad he just cried constantly he was super scared mm -hmm. and he was this like mama stop it hurt it hurt stop like it was just horrendous and I couldn't really hold him six hours in yeah. they're like screw it hold him 
<laughs> he was putting so much pressure on his heart that like they didn't know if his yeah. heart was working or not working because he was okay oh, no. yeah so we were, it was horrendous I can't imagine doing that like 12 times like how what huh well that's why like I think I just shut off <laughs> like I I called it like nurse mode but I realize now nurses are way more compassionate than I was in the moment but, like, <laughs> nurses have hearts. but in my mind I was like okay I'm just this is like go mode we get it done we go in and do these surgeries and um you know I, I've got to be there every second so I'm just gonna shut off my emotions and get it done so I remember like <laughs> one of the surgeries it was um, 19 and a half hours long oh, yeah. when he was two mm-hmm. and for he spent a month in the ICU afterwards recovering and for the first two weeks, they kept him completely like in an induced coma, kind of. They kept him paralyzed with medicine and um, unconscious so that he couldn't wake up because it was such a painful and intense surgery. They didn't want him to wake up and start moving around or be in tons of pain. So they kept him asleep for two weeks. Um, and the whole process, I remember someone came to visit and they're like, wow, you are so strong. And I thought like, no, I'm not. I'm just like surviving you know like yeah. you just get up and you put one foot in the front of the other and like I didn't feel like I had any sort of strength and, and it wasn't because she was sitting there crying you know looking at my child like, well this is so sad and I was like I don't feel it. like in my heart I knew I didn't feel anything <laughs> I wasn't and I knew something was wrong with me but I didn't know what you know um, well, your body was protecting this. I just shut it everything off yeah yeah so I did I don't feel like it was all that hard. It was like, okay, I just did what I had to do. And we went in and we did the surgeries. And um, yeah, I don't know. How old was he when he did the first surgery? Like, did they date when he pre in the first surgery? Oh, no, when he was his first surgery, when he, he was two and a half months old, which was basically when he was like his um, gestational week, because he was born at 29 weeks. Okay. So, um, so once he was finally like birth size, like where he should have been a newborn, they did his first surgery. And then he had spinal surgery when he was eight months. And then the that big one when he was two. And then he's had lots of other ones like for his club foot and his um his spine, like he's got scoliosis. He's just got a lot of ongoing issues that they'll always kind of come back and say, Okay, well we can do surgery if you want. When would you like it? <laughs> or we could not do surgery and if we did and this would happen and like so many options. Terrible. It makes all the other options seem like no big deal. My cat didn't get vegetables. No big deal. No big deal. He's not going to get vegetables. It's fine. I'm not trying to decide whether or not his stomach's going to be inside or out. Like, you know, like, Like, this is, it puts everything into perspective. Okay. So he was born 29 weeks. And then how long was he in the NICU? It was a pretty long time. Um, it was just two and a half months, actually. Oh, it'd be, two and a half. We didn't know Dude, if it would be like a year. Just two and a half months. Like, that well, wasn't that long. Like, two well, and a half. But I, I remember like that. that when he was going to come home, you guys were terrified. Because usually, oh like, we can finally bring our baby home. But there were so many yes. wires and things. That was and the worst day wrong. of my life. Yes. <laughs> really? It was. That. It was the worst day. I even told Asher about it the other day. I was like, dude, the first day you came home, let me tell you. Um, and we had a laugh about it. But um, we, yeah, we were terrified. Because the NICU, first of all, I was scared of babies and kids growing up. Everyone, like all my friends knew, like it was a joke, like, Ooh, don't pass that baby to Cassie. Like (laughs) I was like, right away, like, don't give me near a baby. I don't know how to hold it. I'm scared of them. But I always knew how to be a mom, but I just thought when you have a baby, suddenly you just know what to do. 
and later, like, you're just going to become a mother as the baby passes through the birth canal. Um, but <laughs> the magic didn't come. And so I was so scared. And then, of course, holding a baby that has he had some of his organs on the outside of his body, they didn't put all them back in until he was two. And so, <laughs> um, and then all the wires and cords, like, you know, they tell you, oh, the first time you hold them, your milk's just going to, like, start pouring. You know, like, you're going to have all these emotions and you're going to sob. And I was just sweating. And, like, take this baby back. Like, I'm so scared. I don't know how to hold it. Like, I, I was so anxious. I think that Asher could feel that. And so he would cry when I held him. Like, the nurses would take him from me to console him because I couldn't. Like, he, he wouldn't be consoled with me. So the thought of taking him home, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what to do with this kid. And I'm scared of him. Like, and I, and he's got so many other issues that, like, oh, my word, I'm, I'm not a nurse. I never want to be a nurse. Like, the sight of blood and things, like, freaked me out. So <laughs> the whole situation was awful. So that first day when he came home, we lived in this really old duplex. And they have these old switches. So, like, when your power turns out, you know, you normally just go flip the switch back on. But um, we had a bunch of space heaters because we lived in South Dakota. So, it was, like, you know, it was in February, which is the coldest month. So, it can get to, like, negative 20. So, we had all these space heaters around. And um, some of Asher's medical devices had come off and that needed to be fixed. And he was screaming because he was always screaming if he was awake. And and I am... of course the space heaters made the power go out well we actually had to like physically replace the fuses and the fuse boxes was such an old house um i didn't even know that was a thing (laughs) and so like legitimate fuses and so dave had to go drive to walmart and get new fuses while i was in the pitch black trying to fix his medical devices with a headlamp like crying (laughs) it took me the whole time and by the time dave got back i was like Oh my word, like, what have we done? Can we please take him back? Um, and so thankfully we were really good friends with the NICU nurses by then. And the very first week we came home, two of them came straight to our house and brought a bunch of more supplies and were like, we're just going to watch Asher. You guys want a date. Like already oh. <laughs> a weekend we needed a date. So um, it was oh. nice. We had lots of at least support and people we could ask. I also but yeah, it was like what are we doing? Something yeah. kind of cool about this story is that you guys had just kind of randomly moved to South Dakota right <laughs> yeah, before all of this. Like I think um, Cassie's husband's brother and his wife had moved out and become part of a church, and then they were just like, "Let's do this. Let's just see, uh, have this little adventure." They lived across the street from the children's hospital. You could see it from That's their true. window. Um, it's wow. like one of the best children's hospitals in the nation and it had the one like surgeon or person who had studied this rare thing that Asher had was there. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> so true. Yeah. So, so they're at the NICU all day and you can't just like leave. Well, no, you can leave a baby in the NICU with nurses, but once they get released, I think that was also the thing you're upset about. Cause it's like, you guys were free to come and go, but once they get released from the NICU and then have to go <laughs> yeah. back, you have to stay with them in the hospital. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're like your child instead of the hospital's child, and they're your responsibility. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> we're across the street. You can just come and go and see your child and then run home and get fresh clothes or shower. Wow. Which was amazing. And this special doctor um, who, like, specializes in this, he was leaving South Dakota around the time you guys were already thinking of leaving and moving to a, the city where – 
you guys were thinking of moving to, right? It's, it's true. Right? It's true. Yeah. There's like so a handful of there. hospitals in the country that could, or even surgeons in the country who would touch a kid like Asher. And this one, yeah, like two months before, I think we were gonna, uh, we moved there, he came to the hospital. And so when we were consulting with the surgeons before Asher was even born, they were all discussing like, okay, he might have to be lifelong to Denver or, you know, Baltimore. Like there's a, just a couple of hospitals that um, could take him. But the surgeon's like, you know what? You could stay here. I've actually written a chapter on a, in a medical book about what your son has. I've studied in these hospitals. I've done like, you know, over 30 surgeries. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it actually is. But he's like, no, don't let anyone tell you they're a specialist in this because no one is. No one can be. Like, surgeries. no one can There's do that like many. 30 kids who have it in the U.S. I mean, it's like <laughs> <I know>. all of them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but he, and he did an incredible job. He was like, our, he's still our favorite surgeon. But yeah, he, and when he told us, he came back, he's like, okay, I haven't told anybody, but. You know, a few years later, we lived there for five years, but um, Asher was three and a half when we finally moved, and now we live in Denver, Colorado. But um, before we moved, we thought, well, we're stuck here forever because, you know, we can't leave. Like, he has all this medical care here, and the surgeon's incredible. But the surgeon came to us and was like, I am moving in about six months. (laughs) He's like, you can't stay here if I'm not here and get your care. So, you know either go to you know Denver fly to Denver for care every time he needs it or fly to Baltimore he was just telling us like giving us the names of different surgeons and we're like we want to move back to Denver like that's where my husband's from like that was our goal we were only going to be in South Dakota for like one year um and so it was it was great but it gave us plenty of time and by then he was medically stable enough that we could move all his care to Denver and as we did move to Denver like the same month the best colorectal surgeon in the world moved to Denver and now was Asher's doctor. And like I had, he had, I'd read one of his books that he had written this incredible surgeon. So like we were just always, I feel like in the right place at the right time. That's amazing. So. Yeah. That's so amazing. But yeah, it took a while to get used to being a mother. <laughs> well, so. Motherhood in general is hard when you have a neurotypical right. kid, the sleepless nights, the kid all of a sudden, this thing that needs you 100%. I always laugh when people are like, I practice with my dog. I'm like, really? Yeah. Really practice with your dog? <laughs> and you leave all the time and you feed twice a day and you just pet? Like, that's how you practice with a kid who needs you 24 hours a day yeah. and at infancy? Yeah, it is a lot. And that's the assumption you hear a lot of people talk about, even again, with just the neurotypical kids of I'm going to immediately like they're going to hand him to me and I'm going to fall in love and I'm going to cry and it's going to be this thing. And so many people have postpartum depression and they don't feel anything for their child for a long time. And then it's that Mm -hmm. extra guilt like I'm a terrible mother. This is always how it's so much shame. Right. I don't want to tell anybody. Well, that's I definitely had postpartum depression that turned into depression and I just didn't realize it because I'm like a very smiley person by nature. And so I'm like, well, I still have tons of friends. I'm still fun and like nice. But (laughs) like inside I was dead. And I thought it makes sense that I'm sad inside because I have a child with special medical needs. Like it didn't occur to me that I had depression and something may be chemically wrong. And I wish now that I had asked for help or, um, you know, gotten pills or whatever it is and talked to somebody. I don't know. Um, that would have been really helpful at the time, you know, but, yeah, time goes by and you just think, well, I'm just sad because 
there's sad things in my life. At what point did you grieve the, the grieve, this sounds really weird to say, but at what point did you grieve the loss of having a neurotypical kid? I don't know where a lot of use the word neurotypical because isn't neurotypical usually brain and Asher's probably like brilliant and normal in that sense. Right, right. Oh, yeah, like healthy. Yeah, not having a healthy. You can just say healthy. Healthy. I'm like, it's not with us. We have to be careful and use certain terms because people get offended. But when it's like you're healthy or not healthy, that's just true. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, yeah, when did you like (laughs) grieve the loss of having like a healthy kid? Uh, That's a good question. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I think I, I, it was less grief and more anger. Um, okay. like even when he was still in the womb, I feel like I, since I stopped kind of feeling emotions and kind of cut off from my heart for the first time, because I was always such a happy king, like everything was happy. Everything was good. Always, you know, like we referred to earlier. Um, but, um, I don't know. You're kind of an anxious <laughs> child. I'm going to refute You're that. right. No, I was super anxious. You're right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> okay. You're not allowed to lie, Cassie, because we have the truth teller over here. <laughs> I remember to be quiet before, <laughs> before school, you and mom would play what's the worst that could happen game. And it would be like, if you go to school, could there be an earthquake? And could the world cut? And you'd be like, oh, okay. Um, that's glad we didn't play that game when you were pregnant. Yeah. You're right. Oh, man. Yeah. We wouldn't have, have even funny. come up with that. Or maybe she would have been more prepared. Maybe. You're right. I don't know. Who cares? We didn't do it. Let's, we. I wasn't even a part of your life at that point. Um, <laughs> So you had more anger than... Oh, yes. Anger. Yes. I was I was um, started feeling a lot of bitterness that I had never really felt before. So, you know, I, I didn't want to feel that way. Like if I saw a woman walking by with a healthy baby, but I did, I was like, oh, great. She has a healthy baby. You know, <laughs> like hearing myself saying things like that. And, um, or, or people, you know, on Facebook, like, oh, my kids are getting a vaccine and I'm so sad and the poor kid and... I'd be like, oh, whatever, get over yourself. You know, that's, I'm like, oh. <laughs> but, but I'm like, okay, I know that in a, in a normal sense like that is, that is sad. I, I knew, my head knew it, but my heart was still like super angry and bitter. Um, so yeah, it was just bitterness thing. for a long time. That's what I felt. I didn't, <laughs> like intense bitterness and, and anger. Like instead of feeling love for people, I just kind of felt anger. Oh, I get it. Um, I still feel anger for some people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I'm much more in tune with all of my emotions now. <laughs> the angry side of them. Um, well, and I feel I know, like, uh, yeah. what were you saying? I interrupted you. Oh, yeah. I said, yeah, I was just say like five, like, like I said, like about five years of just feeling anger and realizing, like knowing I didn't love my kids the way normal parents did, but I didn't know what was wrong with me. And I was, afraid to like admit it out loud. Like I, I knew uh, people write all these Facebook posts and different things. I'm like, man, people feel a certain way about their kids that I don't. And I don't know why, like what's wrong with me. And I, I finally was realizing, you know, something was wrong with my heart and I'd walled it up. So I started to pray for the first time in a long time. Cause up until then I, I stopped praying, not cause I was mad at God, but because I didn't know what to say. But I think when he wasn't healed, I thought, Oh my, like it kind of just crushed my faith. And I didn't know, because I just, I knew 100% he was going to be healed. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. But um, I thought, oh, yeah, of course, he's going to be healed. Um, and so I, I was afraid to ask for physical healings anymore. 
so I just stopped praying. I knew so many people were praying for us. And so I felt like we were being, you know, we were being lifted up by all of those people. And so I felt um, good about that, but I couldn't get the words out. I couldn't say, Lord, please, you know, help Asher with the surgery because it was too hard to hope for such a thing. Mm. Um, because it, and it's funny now because um, in my perspective, all the surgeries are going poorly, even though every surgery went great. But, you know, it's the screaming in the hospital room and him screaming and being terrified and having to be held down. Like, it was miserable for us. <laughs> and so it felt like it, what I wanted was a peaceful surgery, but that's not going to happen. So, I mean, yeah. they were successful. So, I mean, everyone's like, oh, praise the Lord, you know, everything's good. Um, but I, <laughs> I still felt like this went terribly. Like, this is not what I was hoping for. Um and so, anyway, five five years in, I thought I've got to start praying again. And the only thing I could really pray was, "Lord, please give me my heart back." Um, and there's a verse in Ezekiel that says um, that the Lord's talking to Israel. And he's saying, "I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and um, I will put your spirit in in you and move you to follow my ways." And so, um, I just kept praying, like, "Lord, take my heart of stone and give me my heart back." And so I was like, putting him to give me my heart back. Um, and there was one day when I knew, and this was like six months. This is literally the only thing I started to pray after five years. And um, I went and took Asher to get vaccines, of all things, at the pediatrician. <laughs> and so I was like totally in my normal, like, no big deal. Hold him down. Like, let's get this over with. Because you know, the nurses always feel bad because they're always new. And like, oh, my goodness, he's, he's so upset. This is terrible because... He would just completely go ballistic and start screaming. He'd be screaming, "You people are evil!" And like, yeah, and, and um, you had to just hold him down while he's kicking and everything. They gave him a shot. Um, so I'm just like, guys, let's just get this over with. Just hold him down. Like, there's nothing we can do to make this any better. Get it over with. Um, and I just started bawling, and I couldn't stop. And I was so embarrassed. Like, oh my word, where's this coming from? <laughs> like, I have felt this before. Like, bawling. Um, and Asher stopped screaming and it was like mom what are you doing this is not your role this is not your role i'm the thrasher i scream and i cry and you just get it together and start what what is right and and i i said i just feel so sorry for you and i was the first time that i genuinely thought that because i had shut my heart off and so i really only felt sadness for myself and what I was having to go through. I had to be at the hospital. Like I have to have a kid that has these problems. Instead of feeling sorry for him, that's why like I knew something was wrong for me because I knew my love was kind of a self that I had for him. It wasn't this, you know, motherly love that people talked about um, until that moment. And I felt like the Lord, I was like, oh, thank you. And I was thanking the Lord, like he gave me my heart back. Um, but since then I realized like he gave me a totally new heart. Like it wasn't my old heart. Um, it's totally new. And now I can like ugly cry and and do things, <laughs> and I love it. I'm like, like there's a commercial. It's sad, and I just start bawling, and I'm so happy Uh-oh. that I can Did do that. And of course, yeah. Did you yeah, go I went too, too far? far. Like, Lord, you didn't have to go that far. But no, <laughs> the my and Dave and Asher make fun of me. They're like, oh, look at this mom. But um, I love it. I love it. Having like, I'm like, oh, I feel something. Like my heart feels for other people. Um, because yeah, I think. It helped, too, having Raya. I thought, okay, Raya came three and a half years after Asher, um, still before I had, like, my heart back or a new heart. And um, when Raya came, I'm like, okay, she's healthy. 
when she comes out, then I'll have that like, oh my goodness, how do we feeling? Like, <laughs> but it yes. didn't happen either. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, I'm just really broken. Like, I'm going to have to, instead of always the last resort, like, okay, now I need to pray about this. But <laughs> Did you ever have the thought, because I had this thought, and I had it recently, I'll be honest with you, of like, maybe I shouldn't have had kids. Like, maybe yes. this was, like, in your head, you know, yeah, it's, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's Lord's plan. He's sovereign over everything, yada, yada, yada. But in my head, I'm like, we shouldn't have had kids. Like, my uterus didn't work for a reason. Chris and I should have just been <laughs> the people who went off traveling the world with no kids. Like, that's what we should have done. Was yeah. there ever a moment, like, maybe even after when Rayo was born, going, oh, crap. Like, maybe I wasn't supposed to be a mom. Or maybe it would be easier if Asher hadn't been born or something like that. Yeah. Um. Definitely, like, yes, like, <laughs> there are moments, like, definitely, and especially when he was still in the womb, I thought, I don't know what his life is going to be like. This is going to be terrible for him. Like, if he does pass away in the room, maybe that won't be so bad. Like, because it sounds like they're saying his life will be awful. And so I know, like, I I was never, um, you know, always against abortion, because that's the life, and the soul that God created in your, you know, in there. Um but for the first time in my life, I realized, like, oh, wow, okay, I, I understand the fear involved in having a baby when they're in your belly. And like, I understand why someone would go have an abortion. Not that, that it's okay, but I understand, like, the fear gripping someone and making them choose this, you know, sad decision. Um, like, I finally sympathize with that um, with that struggle, I guess. <laughs> so, um, I, I'm, of course, I'm thankful that he's alive. He's my, my baby. But, um, yeah, definitely you have those moments of, of doubt and thinking, wow. And, and the crazy thing is when Rhea came out, as she was literally passing through my birth canal and, like, coming out of my body, the gynecologist said, you know, some people just aren't really meant to carry babies. Um, <laughs> because Rhea was also early. She was four weeks early. And um, she's like, you know, even if you carried her all the way, she still probably would have been kind of tiny. You know, some women's bodies just aren't good at carrying babies. And I'm like, what? oh, well, thanks. All right, Dave, you're going to go get a vasectomy, like, <laughs> immediately. So, yeah. <laughs> so, it's she's kind of a hard been, thing to say. Just, but we, ha- we make tiny babies. We were tiny we babies. Do. We well, do. We should make babies. Don't hold, oh, doctor. Don't <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. True. I'm just joking. <laughs> I just had to say it. it was it was easy. You walked it, you walked know, into I that did. one. Uh. Um, yeah, but yeah, we were definitely done. That's for sure. I was like, well, I guess I'm not good at this. I'm <laughs> not good at having kids. But. Has you have you changed that perspective now that he's nine and Raya is five? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Doing math. Uh, Raya is five. Have it now been like, oh no, I was supposed to be a mom? Has your perspective changed of like? Because I've always never, I never wanted to be a special needs mom. Right. Still don't, right. actually. <laughs> I haven't changed much. But in my head, I'm like, okay, I I understand why God gave me these three kids. Like, I'm an advocate for them. I That comes natural to me. Like, I know that I'm supposed yeah. to change the school system in a weird way because of them. And, like, you know, so, like, I understand, like, my place a little bit of like I'm supposed to have these three hard kids even though like daily I'm like really God you're not just giving me one without an IEP like that would be nice um has your perspective changed on that of like oh this I was actually meant and built for this 
I don't feel built for it. Um, <laughs> I know that, <laughs> I love like, honesty. Yes, this is what the podcast okay. is about. No, 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 no not at all. At all. Um, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm the best choice of a mother for them. I don't feel like I'm very good at it. Um, I still, you know, it's still like, okay, I'm still not super comfortable with kids, but I'm not scared of kids anymore. <laughs> I'll say that. But I'm, I don't feel like I'm the best or like, na- like so many people are so natural at it. Um, that's still not me. Um, but I feel but, like you've been yeah, I know, I know, I know God gave it to me. Yeah. Like your personality has changed a lot. I mean, it's like he's, yeah. he's changing you all the time. Right. Too, like I don't know the why this for the happened, task. Yeah. Like the person That's you see before, true. you would have gone, oh my gosh, she can't like argue with doctors and like do all this. Well, but like you said, now you've become an advocate. You were telling That's me the other day like you don't care what people think as much. Like that was a huge thing that changed in me is yeah. I was such a people pleaser. I wanted, I was like, my kids are going to be so quiet and nice and not make a fuss. <laughs> like you and Cassie. Exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I cared way too much what people thought. And now I don't care what people think. And I'm t- it's so freeing and wonderful. I mean, I do a little bit, obviously. But but it, in such a different way. And it's it's it really helped change me for the better, I think. That's true. That's true. Like my, I'm, my personality completely flipped. Like I'm <laughs> – like I went from a super shy, introverted person the first, you know, 20 – five years of my life to being like terrified of people to being extroverted and I yeah I don't care as much what people think um, we're gonna get to that but I have a question for you yeah what what did you expect mother I mean I know you and Holly had this like epitome beaver cleaver perfect like childhood mm-hmm. kind of thing and what motherhood was and your mom is like pretty darn great I haven't I'm trying to find her weakness and I still haven't found it. I'm like, there has to be something there. But she's like, I pray for you at three in the morning. I'm like, I'm not even your child. Why are you praying for me? Like, it's phenomenal. Anyways, so what did you expect it to be? Like, who are you comparing yourself? Like, are you comparing yourself to like the Instagram, Facebook mother who's diffusing oils in the car while, you know, playing the violin? Or like, what are you... Like, who are you comparing yourself that you feel like you're not good at it? Um, definitely my mom. So, <gasps> yeah, I mean, you just said it. <laughs> I mean, yes, I feel like my parents, like, my parents wouldn't have yelled at us. My parents wouldn't be freaking out and acting this way. And my parents, would, you know, I kept hearing myself saying that a lot. But and, you know, Cassie and I had a really yeah. good conversation recently where we were both laughing and going, ha, because our parents have watched our kids. And we've seen <laughs> they mess up too. Like they do get crazy <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And they're like, yeah, we they don't know how to do this yeah. any differently yeah. than what you're doing. Like we've never seen this right. before. Well, we're like, oh, it's because we were so easy. <laughs> well, that's that's true. You, true. you, Like I wanted to please. So it was yeah. easy. To- well, and your parents didn't have a non-neurotypical child and an right. unhealthy child right. who has medical needs. Like they yeah. probably. Or boys. Or boys. Yeah, or boys. Which is, let's be real. I know we're stereotyping, but there is a destructive gene in that chromosome that is just like, I don't even know. Like, I thought my girls were just boys and girls' bodies for a while. It's because they were so, like, hyper and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, no. Jackson is destructive. Like, there's something there of the boy that needing to destroy and, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. You can't compare yourself to her because she's not in the situation yeah. that you are in. 
she probably would have handled it the exact same way. And you have proof of that because look at how she's handling Dasha and Asher at moments, you know, like, oh, (laughs) they break. So, okay. Because it's really interesting how we always compare ourselves to like what this mother is supposed to be. Like I compare myself to that, you know, the Mrs. Beaver, who's this mom in this documentary, who's like housed like a hundred foster kids through the, her door. And then the ones that adopt five and three of them are down syndrome. And I'm just like, are you crazy? I can barely handle my three. And Mm -hmm. two of them are just higher needs, not really special needs. And one of them's like, nah, like, so I know I hire, I, but I only see, I don't see their day to day. Like I don't see what it is. Yeah. The people on Facebook never yell at their children. No, on Facebook, <laughs> they never freak out and cry and hide themselves in the closet. I just yeah. bought four boxes of Pop-Tarts to hide in the glove compartment. So <laughs> I'm, that's how well I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. It could be worse, Patty. You could be hiding like little flasks and stuff. Oh, no. Yeah. The hot okay, chocolate you know. Pop-Tarts right now are my crack. Yeah. We're gonna, it's, it's good stuff. I know. Wasn't that amazingly great? And there's more. So make sure to tune in next week for episode two of Cassie's interview. Thanks for riding on the denial bus. But your stop's coming up. You're going to have to get off. Get back to the real world. Life. Don't worry. You got this.
I know. Wasn't that amazingly great? And there's more. So make sure to tune in next week for episode two of Cassie's interview.